to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. We're going to spend some time this morning on the day of Pentecost focusing on the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity. Spirit coming from that word meaning wind or air or breath, and then holy, characteristic of of God himself, so the holy wind, the holy breath, the Holy Spirit of God. And in this text, Jesus calls the Spirit the paraclete. Now, your translation may have comforter, your translation may have counselor, but the, the word that's used is actually paraclete. That word means one who comes to our side, one who assists one who helps. It really has kind of a legal connotation of coming alongside of us and defending us and uh, taking our side. So let's read what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 of chapter 16 of John, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor or the comforter or the, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord, and together let us say, thanks be to God. Our group from Oakmont in 2014 toured Israel and Jordan for 12 days. While we were there, we had three excellent bus drivers and three excellent tour guides. We had an Israeli bus driver and tour guide for Israel proper. We had a Jordanian bus driver and tour guide while we were in the country of Jordan. And then when we went over to Bethlehem one day in um, the West Bank area, we had a Palestinian bus driver and a pa Palestinian Christian tour guide. Trust me, we needed those drivers. And we needed those tour guides because we were going to places where we had no experience, where we had never been before, 
and where, where we had little direction or information about those locations. But because of their expertise, we were able to see and to know and to understand the Holy Land in ways that we would never have experienced by ourselves. So in similar fashion this morning, I want to invite you to think about the Holy Spirit as our life tour guide. He's the one who leads us to destinations and provides us information or truth that by ourselves we couldn't discover on our own. So I want us to explore for a few moments this morning how does the Holy Spirit serve as our tour guide through life. And so we're going to go back and look at some of the scripture we've just read and add some to that. First of all, the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus in the first place and convicts us of our sin. I want to put a scripture on the screen that we've read uh, just a moment ago when Jesus told his disciples shortly before his death, he says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the comforter, or the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Thank you for putting that on the screen. That word convict, when Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. That word convict means to convince. It means to correct or expose. It means to persuade or to bring to light the fact that we have sin in our life, that someone has committed a, a particular error. It's almost like a defense attorney or on the other side, of, of the table, the prosecuting attorney, and they're in cross-examination, and the Spirit is exposing or bringing to light things that we're not seeing about ourselves. People can only come to know Jesus when the Holy Spirit convicts and convinces them that Jesus' way should be their way. Now, you know, that, that really puts a lot of responsibility on you and me, I think, because unless you and I are faithful in telling what we know about Jesus, unless you and I are willing to share our witness with other people about Jesus, it may well be that the Holy Spirit cannot do the work of convicting and convincing that that person needs Jesus. We may look at someone sometime and we may say, you know, wonder why they're not open to Jesus. Wonder why they're not living the Christian life. Wonder why they've never made the decision to accept Jesus into their life. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that it could be it's because you and I have been unwilling to share our witness and what we know about Jesus, and therefore the Holy Spirit cannot do that work of convicting and convincing that person that they need Jesus in the first place? Sometimes we point the, the finger at other people. Maybe we should point the finger at ourselves for our failure to speak those words that witness to Jesus that the Spirit uses to convince them that they need Christ in their life. 
And of course, after you become a Christian, the Spirit still works to convict you of your sin and invite you to seek God's forgiveness and His mercy and His grace in your life. When NC State University basketball coach Kay Yow died in January of 2009 after a long, long battle with breast cancer, she surprised those people who attended her funeral by showing a video that she had taped a year earlier in, in anticipation of that service. In that video, she spoke of how she became a Christian in 1975 during a Campus Crusade for Christ presentation in which she said in that video that she had put off the presenter for months and months and months. But this is what she said in the video. She said, when I heard the message, I was convicted. I knew this was something I needed to be. And that night, I asked the Lord to come into my life. Now, how did Kay Yow ask Jesus to come into her life? It was because someone was faithful and bold and courageous and willing to risk putting it out there to Kay Yow and inviting her to think about her need for Jesus and then the Holy Spirit took those words that that person who shared his or her faith with K.L. took those words and began to work on K.L.'s heart and to touch her heart. And that's what led her to accept Jesus. Now, you know, some people shut the door of their hearts to Christ time after time after time. And they begin to lose that sensitivity to the work of the Holy Spirit. If you say no to the Spirit time after time after time, whether it's to become a Christian or maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something, you just keep saying no, 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 no. You start to lose that sensitivity. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And I want to put this scripture on the screen in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. You know, if we harden our hearts long enough, we reach a stage where God can't touch us any longer. It's not that he's unwilling to forgive us. The fact is our hearts have become so hardened that we can't even open it up to the forgiveness that God is willing to send our way. Now, if you're sitting there right now worrying, and you know the, the scripture calls this the, the unpardonable sin or the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you're sitting there right now worrying and wondering, have I committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Have I committed the unpardonable sin that can't be forgiven? I want you to relax because that's pretty good evidence that you probably haven't if you're worried about it. And if you wondered, 
It's the person that doesn't wonder. It's the person that's not worried. It's the person that's hardened his or her heart to the Spirit. That's the person that may well have shut himself or herself off from the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God. Not because God's unwilling to offer it, but because the person's heart is so hard that he or she is unwilling to accept it. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is the Spirit brings us to Christ in the first place. The Spirit convicts us of our sin initially and convinces us that we need a Savior. And the Spirit continues to convict us and to help us see those times and those places and those ways where we've strayed from God throughout our entire, entire Christian life. But the Holy Spirit continues to serve as our tour guide through life by also guiding us into all truth. I want to put on the screen two scriptures, one that Jesus, uh, that we've already read here in this text this morning. There it is. John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And then a scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that Paul writes, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, Jesus and writers like the Apostle Paul understand that we can only know the deep truths of God when his Holy Spirit reveals those truths to us. That's what we would call the work of illumination, that the Holy Spirit turns on the light in our hearts so that we can begin to see God at work and God as he really is. When I was in the fourth grade, I was seated near the back of the room. And for a few weeks, my schoolwork began to suffer. And finally, someone, I forgot who it was, was it the school nurse or someone came and gave us a test to check out our vision. And would you believe that early on in the fourth grade, I was nearsighted, which meant I got moved to the front of the room so I could see the chalkboard a little clearer. And eventually, I got glasses when I was in the fourth grade. It was an amazing thing to get glasses in the fourth grade. I had no idea that taillights and headlights on cars were not that big. I discovered they were about that big. Once the glasses refracted my vision and I could see the taillights and the headlights exactly as they were. It was an amazing thing for me in the fourth grade to discover that you could actually see stars at night. I knew you could see the moon, and I could see the sun during the day, of course, but I had no idea that you could see the individual stars at night. It was quite a discovery 
for me to put on glasses and now to wear contact lenses and to be able to see things that I can't see without glasses. You see, eyeglasses showed me the stars. And it's the Holy Spirit of God at times that shows us things about God that we can't see by ourselves and reveals spiritual truth to us and guides us in decision-making and in things that we're unsure about. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit does that work of illumination, shows us where God is at work, and helps us to see that great spiritual truth. There's another thing that Jesus doesn't mention in this text that Paul talks about that the Holy Spirit does for us, and it's in Romans chapter 8. I want to put that scripture on the screen because the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, prays for us and prays through us. Paul writes in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever had a time when you don't know what to pray for? You got something going on, you don't know what to pray for? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I saw a billboard a number of years ago. In white letters, it said, we need to talk. White letters against a black background, we need to talk. And it was signed, God. But what in the world do you do when you need to talk with God, but you can't find the words? Suddenly a crisis strikes in your life. Suddenly you're at a place where you're burdened or you're overwhelmed with some problem or a challenge and you don't have a clue which way to turn, what to do, what to say. You may feel a little bit like the Catholic contemplative, the monk, Thomas Merton, who lived in, in the Abbey of Gethsemane for many years, halfway between Lexington and Louisville, Kentucky. Thomas Merton once penned a prayer, and it began this way. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. You ever felt that way before? My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. This text that Paul gives us tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That word help means meaning to support or to lift us up in those moments when the load is too heavy to lift by ourselves. Sometimes in the midst of tragedy, sometimes in the midst of agonizing decisions, sometimes in the midst of heartbreak, like if you're a resident of Hawaii like now and because of the volcano and the lava, you've lost your home or you're a resident of Santa Fe, Texas. And this past week, there were children and there were teachers who were killed in a school shooting. And you don't know which way to move. You don't know which way to turn. You're not quite sure what to say or what to do, and you feel so overwhelmed. The Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit takes what we can't find deep within our hearts. We can't pray. We don't know what to pray for. We can't find or fashion the words. And the text says that the Spirit of God prays on our behalf when we feel overwhelmed by life. 
But there's one more thing that the Scripture invites us to do, and that is we are invited to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are invited to walk in step with the Spirit. I want to put two Scripture on the screens for you right now. First of all, Paul writes in Ephesians 5, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul writes in Galatians 5, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. It's a, your translation may say walk, but it actually means let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, you know, there's some people who suggest that there is this second blessing, that there is this second outpouring, there is this baptism of the Holy Spirit when people get zapped with an extra measure of the Holy Spirit. Some people even say that there is evidence of that extra zap of the Spirit when we receive the gift of speaking in tongues, which of course is a spiritual language that only God understands or others who can interpret that language can understand. And I've always found sometimes that there is a spiritual arrogance in those individuals who have the gift of speaking in tongues. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians. It is one of the spiritual gifts. But Paul says it's the least of all of the gifts. And sometimes those who have that spiritual gift of speaking in tongues sometimes can give you the impression, hey, I've got the full measure of the Holy Spirit because I have this gift, and you don't. So I think we have to be very careful when we have those gifts of the Spirit not to say that one is more important than the other. When we ask Jesus into our life, that's the point where we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the point where God gives us everything that we have. So we are therefore invited throughout our Christian life to daily be filled with that Holy Spirit and to walk in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. When Paul says in Galatians 5, to walk with the Spirit or to walk in step with the Spirit, he's using a military term. That military term means to stay in formation. It means to stay in line. It means to march and stay in step with the Spirit. I remember a couple years ago, I was studying this passage with a group of men. And in that group of men that particular night was Colonel James Mills, Marty, retired United States Air Force. And I looked at James after talking about this text, and I said, you know, walking in the Spirit means you, you stay in formation. You do the military walk. And I looked at James, and I said, James, do you think you could demonstrate the military walk for us tonight? I think I insulted James by asking him that question because he said to me, once you learn it, you never forget it. And he stood up and perfectly illustrated the military march. That's what we're invited to do. We're invited to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, to march with the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we then see evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Let me put up two more scriptures. One is that we show evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 
chapter 5. Notice it doesn't say the fruits. Paul calls it the fruit. It is a cluster. You just don't get one or two. You, get, you manifest all nine when you stay in step and you march with the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you march and stay in line and in formation with the Holy Spirit of God, you get the entire cluster of the fruit of the Spirit. And then God also gives us the gifts of the Spirit. Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So you see, the Holy Spirit of God is his gift to us. The reason that you and I are in this place of worship today is because the Holy Spirit brought us to Christ. The Holy Spirit began and continues to convict us of our sin and convince us that we need a Savior in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us to truth. And when we reach that place where disaster or crisis or a difficult time strikes, the Holy Spirit forms and fashions those words and prays on our behalf to God. The Holy Spirit desires to fill us with all that he has to give us. And then the Holy Spirit desires to see the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit manifested in our life. So we have this spiritual tour guide that takes us through those uncharted waters of life, and that Spirit leads us all the way, whatever we're facing. I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. And as we pray together this morning, I'm wondering, what is it that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now? Is there some sin that God has convicted you and you need to ask for his forgiveness right now? Maybe you've never made that decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and the Spirit right now is convincing you, is showing you that you need a Savior in your life. Maybe there's confusion about the way to go. You can't see the stars in the sky. And the Spirit is illumining the path that you need to take. He's guiding you into truth. Maybe this morning you're in a moment of difficulty. You can't pray for yourself. You need the Spirit of God to do that for you. And it may be that you've not said on a daily basis, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me and allow me to walk in step with what you're doing in the world. So what is the Spirit of God saying to you right now? And how do you need to pray in response to that? Let's take a moment of silence 
and allow the Spirit to do His work. Come, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the wind, the air, the breath of God. Come, Holy Spirit, and even as you did on that first Pentecost day, come now and fall upon us and fill us and allow us, God, to be your witnesses in the world just as those first believers in Jesus did as Acts chapter 2 tells us the story. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and draw us to Jesus. Convict us of our sin and allow the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God to pour over us now. Show us the way, O oh God. Pray on our behalf when we can't find the words and fill us so that we can be your people in the days to come. Hear now, O oh God, the prayers of your people as we ask these prayers in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.